Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet Following the truth wherever it leads Exposing evil and corruption And the secret machinations of powerful elites Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality Coming to you from the Great White North And his studio beneath the stairs Here's Richard And welcome to another episode of Strange Planet. Thanks, as always, for sticking me in your ear. And if you'd like to get deeper into Strange Planet, here's what you need to do. Just click on that link in the episode description, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm. Once you uh, go there, you'll see there are three different monthly tiers or programs to choose from. Choose the one that's right for you, that makes sense for you. You gain access to commercial-free listening, uh, bonus episodes, and uh, a subscription to my monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum, discounts on Strange Planet merchandise, and more. Strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm. All right. We are going to talk extraterrestrial contact on this episode. Over the next little while, I'm going to be bringing some guests to you or introducing you to some guests and speaking with some people who are part of a great conference that's happening in Las Vegas, November 10th, 11th, and 12th at the beautiful Luxor Hotel, the uh, Egyptian ballroom. It's called Stairway to the Stars. And um, my next guest is going to be speaking at Stairway to the Stars. I believe he is scheduled to speak on the 12th of November. Uh, if I'm wrong about that, he'll... No, the 11th, my mistake. Uh, November the 11th, that's the Saturday, again, at the Luxor Hotel at the Stairway to the Stars. And uh, for more information, go to disclosurefest.org, disclosurefest.org. Just about everybody, anybody who... Anybody associated with UFO disclosure and um, alternative information is going to be there. It's uh, it's just a fantastic conference. Barry Littleton is with us. He was born awake with fragmented past life memories. He started having extraterrestrial contact experiences at the age of seven. Also included were experiences with ghosts and various inorganic beings. Barry also has psychic and mediumship abilities, and these things led to a lifetime of researching the paranormal and metaphysical. He has a degree from Wichita State University, majoring in psychology, sociology, and ethnic studies. Barry, welcome to Strange Planet. How are you? 
Hello, Richard. I'm good. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very honored to be here and to be a part of the conference. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. So thank you for having me. And it's nice to meet you. Without giving it all away, can you just kind of tease what you're going to be uh, talking about at Stairway to the Stars on Saturday, November the 11th? Sure, sure. I'm going to be talking about uh, some of the different modalities of extraterrestrial contact and the contact phenomenon itself. Um, I'll be talking a little bit about black holes and the Akashic Records and also about uh, Earthbound Spirits and um, kind of some work I'm doing there and I've been doing for a while with Earthbound Spirits and kind of the difference between Earthbounds that are on the inside of the energy field and the ones that are on the outside of the energy field. So we'll talk about that and also might touch on uh, melanin-dominant black extraterrestrials also. So ah, that's, something right. that, that's something that isn't talked about very much. So no, kind of, I'd not- like to bring that to light. I've not heard that before. Well, we'll we'll touch on that as well uh, during our uh, our conversation right now. But I do want to start with at the beginning, when you say you were born awake. What does that mean? First, um, having memories that didn't go with this life, and several of them, and, you know. And I think that actually that is not really that uncommon for a lot of us, especially at this cycle that's going on right now. People being born with past life memories, and uh, so that was. One thing, and then um, also being able to perceive what seemed like I could hear people's thoughts to a degree, and it didn't take long before I started interacting with things that were, you know, apparitions, ghosts, and things like that started coming around, and I didn't understand fully what it was at first. But uh, so when I say awake, that's what I mean. It seemed I was born with all this stuff turned on pretty pretty strong. <laughs> right, right. And fragmented past life memories. Uh, can you describe what some of these past lives were like? Yeah, one of them would have been, I think, in what we would call Pangea, you know, before before um, things were like what we call Egypt and the civilization that was before that. And you know, going to uh, other lifetimes, like I have one of, you know, being an actor. And I think that was recently, you know, probably hundred or so, couple hundred years ago. And uh, having actually, you know, passing, like getting out of a, a carriage and having a heart attack and dying people being around me, you know, like things like that. And just certain, especially when you start looking at history, certain things you're attracted to and geographically as well. And you wonder like when they're going to come, when, when you're in class, when are they going to start talking about that historically? And they don't, it doesn't go like beyond Columbus or whatever they're doing, but it doesn't go into the empires that existed here in the past or any of the extraterrestrials that are here or anything that's enlightening that makes sense. Well, as you're experiencing this as as a young boy, seven years old, younger maybe, um, I mean, how do you process this information when you see, you know, I'm not like my friends. This isn't happening to them. Uh, Do I tell my parents? How are they going to react? How did you process? How did you deal with this? You know, I, I, for the most part, I wanted to try to dismiss it as imagination. But when there were actually physical experiences, you can't really do that. You know, you wake up not in your house and you're like on board some craft or in some room where you're being, you know, instructed mentally, telepathically to like there's a counter and like to move the feather that's on the counter. And then there's a bowl of water, then just make the water stir. Okay, then there's metal balls. You levitate those. That's the third thing, the hardest thing to do. You know, and I kept thinking, you know, I was I was waking up here in this place. and It was a very lucid, awake experiences, all of them. And then you know, going to school, you're burned out. You feel like you haven't slept. And it's like you're living kind of, you know, two lives in a way. It's, 
it's uh, somewhat disturbing. But for me, I was one of those individuals that enjoyed field trips and as a kid, and they kind of felt like that to a certain degree. The and ultimate I, field I'll trip. say that as far, yeah, and as far as contact experiences, I'll say I can speak for myself, and I think what might be the majority of I had positive contact experiences. This weren't negative. I wasn't being abducted. This was more encounters, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I think the difference that they're calling now between abductees and ex- experiencers is most valid. So. Often these things are generational. Um, did it happen to your parents? You know, I can't say it did, but my mother, uh, my first experience was seeing a UFO, actually seeing it like at close range. This was with my mother when I was there at seven years old, actually. And that's when things really started ramping up for me at seven years old. So in that way, um, you know, I think my mother was aware that something was going on, but I didn't really talk about it either. And number one is because I couldn't prove it. And then I had something happen in the sixth grade that was so incredible that it crossed over from this other thing I was doing, this other life into my normal daily life. And it was no doubt that what I was having to me was not delusion, which I was worried to, you know, what if that's why I started studying psychology. What if something's like wrong with the chemicals in my brain and I'm just freaking out, man, you know, that's <laughs> delusions or something. That's I didn't, I didn't think so, but I, but I wanted to make sure, you know, and try to delve into that. That led me into dealing with psychology and dealing with hypnosis and things that are conscious. And I hadn't, I was unaware at that time, you know, until only a few years ago, would I really say how much the contact scenario is a conscious event, an event of consciousness. It's not just all physical. For me, I was having stuff happening, but it seemed like it was, you know, it was astral and it wasn't in the physical body. So for me, that wasn't as tangible as when I can go up and touch something, you know, and look at things and you're really standing there. You have actually have a body. It's, it's slightly different, you know. What happened to you in the sixth grade? <clears throat> I had what I call the acid rain experience. I had woke up and I was on board this craft and there's a screen. Okay. It's not a window, but it's a screen. And outside of the screen, I can see what appear to be three UFOs that are over this. We're over um, a mountain pass, a snowtop pass. And I've never seen anything like that before. So it's something really stands out. And these ships are sucking up, what looks like clouds into their underbellies and then they're emitting like light and <clears throat> excuse me on the side of this this um this deck plates is what we would call an insectoid being mm-hmm. that's floating over these deck plates and this is actually someone that had come to me physically and played with me okay and when i say that to you he didn't appear to be an insectoid like he did on this ship and this says a lot with what these beings can do through our optic nerves consciously he appeared to be a kid, and I thought he was at that time because he's playing with me, but he had on these kitty cats and like a, a a ball cap that's kind of pulled down low. But in that way, he didn't look like, you know, somebody say, oh, that's a that's a grasshopper looking insectoid right there. It wasn't like that. But on this craft, he had on a uniform and it was the same presence by all means. And he was just different, though, and he felt like a, a scientist, ancient by all means. And um that's he's over these deck plates and he's telling me that the um they're trying to that the acid rain is very bad for our planet and they're trying to help reverse it and he went into the microwaves and metals effects what i call m&m which is said the metals are very dangerous that in our atmosphere and also the microwaves 
and these are things that are bad for our planet and reasons why some of them don't come off those craft very long. So this stuff is, you know, coming through. And I'd never heard, Richard, I never heard the word acid rain, okay? And I know I've probably been criticized a little bit during these experiences when you're really in the in the presence of a non-human and within their biofield and you're getting like a, a rush, a type of a charge, almost what I think, I uh, call it like what the, um, the gurus call it Shakti Pat. Mm-hmm. When the guru touches the apprentice and it releases their chakras and their kundalini, it feels somewhat similar, I think, if you're around beings that are not these greys or reptilians, but these beings that are on the higher higher levels. Um, anyway, so what he looked like for a description, I've got on my YouTube channel, I've got illustrations that I show of this being. He looked like a grasshopper with milky colored eyes okay not the typical praying mantis we see like that this being didn't look like that and he was about the size i was when i was in the sixth grade all right and a little well maybe even a little smaller actually but anyway so um that's what this being actually looked like and uh this acid rain thing now fast forward um in class sixth grade class my teacher good old miss crow she would have us read something every friday that was called the scholastic news and she would choose one traumatized child to stand up there and read the the main article and i was that child that week that that, that week you know of all things and it's so where you get up there like you don't want to be mispronouncing or misspelling things and you're like oh lord he can't read that type of deal you know anyway <laughs> but <laughs> that I'll is traumatizing yeah <laughs> yeah i'll never forget this one because on the front of this scholastic news was the Statue of Liberty. And the article that I read was about that that year, um, the Statue of Liberty was being shut down parts of it because they were repainting it and doing reconstruction due to damage from acid rains. Uh-huh. CFCs have said that. And I never, you know, and I, I, I and right then, that's when, I mean, it hit me like a brick. I remember saying it real loud, like, acid rain! And everybody started laughing like I was joking around, but the truth is, it, it shocked me so much because where this is definitely, I thought knew it was real, but I mean, there's no doubt about it. You know that this go this crosses over. The, right. That's where kind of, and I like science, and it's cool to have at least have a little bit of science to back this up, so it's not all quote woo woo unquote. Right. <sighs> anyway, but yeah, so that would be the Rain experience, and that's when I knew what was happening to me was very real. And then it was trying to plan on how could I prove it was happening and why was it happening? That's kind of what went. That, that leads to a type of obsession too. <laughs> uh, uh, are are all of your um, memories of encounters conscious memories, or are any of them like retrieved through uh, regression therapy? Or what a great question, Richard. You know, for years I was against. I, I was a conscious experiencer. And, you know, but despite that, I was still having during these encounters, I was having these huge amounts of missing time. All right. So after one of these encounters happens and all I can say this, when you're not in the face of some of these beings or around the technology and the further you get from the event horizon, the more difficult the retention of memory is. And mm-hmm. so things start, as my brother would say, things start getting like that. You know, but um, that's just the further you get away from. So and that way I went on for years saying, oh, I'm not like Travis Walton or any of those guys. I'm just a conscious experiencer. But I was missing all this time. <laughs> so then so then I went and got um, learned hypnosis. And it was strictly to try to hypnotize, self-hypnotize myself 
for the missing time. Because in each of, okay, these experiences, I mentioned the sixth grade experience, but there was a few years going like through high school that I didn't have any experiences. I'd say they stopped about a little over 13th to about almost 17th and they ramped up again. Okay. So there's that, there's that place there, at least um, not that I would call considered like the other ones. So I go into the adult onset experiences and that's where the missing times start happening. And, you know, three of those times, somebody else was with me and that type of delusion is not shared. They see the ship come up, they see it. And all of a sudden, you know, you're missing time, but you realize that you've been, you've had this experience. You're around these beings, the information is still there, but then it starts fading. So in that way, with time, I eventually started focusing on these missing time and not just focusing on only all these things I could remember, which were a lot of details, a lot of details, you know, because I'm very, I'm, I'm one of those, if you were in school with me on a field trip, you wouldn't have liked me because I was one of those kids that was going, oh, what's that? What's that? What's that? Everybody, <laughs> be quiet. You don't know, run off from the group. You know, I, I was one of those kids, get lost. You know? <laughs> I think I would have liked it just fine. Um, <laughs> Mary, we're going to, uh, we're going to take a quick time. I will come back and discuss more of your extraterrestrial contact. Stay with us. Thank you. It's time to redefine reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Barry Littleton is with us, experiencer, contactee, has had experiences with earthbound spirits and uh, remote viewing, NDEs. We'll get into uh, as much of that as we can as time allows. And uh, what we don't get to, well, you just have to go to Las Vegas, November 10th, 11th, and 12th to the Stairway to the Stars conference put on by uh, the Disclosure Fest Foundation, disclosurefest.org for more information. And uh, Barry is speaking on Saturday, November the 11th. That's uh, again in Las Vegas at the beautiful Luxor Hotel in the Egyptian Ballroom. And um, tickets and more information again at disclosurefest.org. And just a, a who's who of uh, people in this uh, field will be there. Richard Dolan and Nick Pope and Johnny Enoch and Laura Eisenhower and Jason Quitt and so many others. Uh, I, I, it would take me half the show just to name them all, but Barry will be there. And again, speaking on uh, Saturday, November the 11th, um, we were talking about some of your, um, your contacts and uh, you talked about missing time uh, and how you were able to recover that through self-hypnosis. Well, uh, and you also mentioned, though, that there were people you didn't realize with your conscious memory, but through uh, recovered memory, through uh, self-hypnosis, you uh, uncovered some of that missing time. Did you discover then who who was on the on the craft, let's say, with you that you didn't know before? Well, you know, a lot of those things I, I could remember. Oh, you could. So it was more homing in on on what what was actually missing in between and the information that was slipping away too so you know i found i i learned you know hypnotize other people easy and quickly but i couldn't do it to myself i had to <laughs> i had to actually go lay down or sit down and have somebody else do me and do professional regressions with me so i had about seven of those done and then um to be honest um i was shocked from the amount of information that came out of them 
it was way more than I had anticipated. And it, it expanded what I thought I knew, you know, by like a thousand times. What did you, and gave, what did you it, learn? It gave even more questions, you know. Well, things that like, for example, um, I had a memory of these craft being organic, at least the ones I have been on board. And when I say organic, that the inside, like the walls, and that's the thing about a physical experience, you can actually touch something. And the touching the walls inside of this craft felt like... Um, it felt similar to like what we call toadstools where I live, but the, the, mm -hmm. the mushrooms, but the, the consistency was harder and they looked like very, very solid. And in that way it was, you know, I knew it was organic and it, you can feel it. And for a long time, you know, I, 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 I always wondered why all of these beings, some of them being phased out, some of them physical and, you know, they're in your mind telepathically. And a lot of them, like for example, the insectoid, which is one of the few that gave me a name, a name of looked like, sound like Yandar, but it's Xandar, uh, D-A-R. But anyway, um, he was answering my questions before I could formulate them telepathically in my mind. That is a bit disturbing, even if it's not an attack. You know, it's just not a way we're used to communicating mm. uh, in advance like that. And then more than that, the information that comes in is like, it's a bunch of it. It's It's compacted. And it can take, you know, years to uncover what all that information was. Like, for example, these craft, this is something I could remember them telling me that the craft were made out of these components, four components, one which would be what we would call quasi-crystals, okay, a crystalline type of uh, substance. Quasi-crystals is most of what I've seen in our science now, these odd lattices that they're making in the labs with these crystals. Um, another thing would be metals that are mined from planets that are devoid of Van Allen belts and atmospheres and the type of solar radiation that they have a resistance to the metals there. So you're looking at uh, metamaterials. Okay. And then also, then you're dealing also with um, a fungus, a fungus, a mycelium of some type, and then the DNA of the crew or chromosomes of them, all that, this combination is actually grown over like a micro wormhole or over a, a black hole. So that's where, that's why some ways like the inside, the engine and some places this craft are displaced on the inside. And a reason why when I was there physically, I'm getting really sick, like being on a merry-go-round when you go down or uh, sorry, a roller coaster, you go down, it takes your stomach mm -hmm. or, you know, I know what now why I hate merry-go-rounds and like them as a kid, it feels like being on one of those craft. Um, and then you're getting bombarded telepathically the air is to me smelled on most of these craft smells a lot like Windex to me. Interesting. And yeah, so these things, you know, are the things that are causing what they call temporal aphasia, is what they were telling me telepathically. And this temporal aphasia is, you know, the sickness that comes that if it get, becomes too much, it will actually interfere and disturb the, the contact experience. And in that way, like where I was, I'm sorry, I don't think I could survive there very long depending on how long the actual that was in the first place. But I think it's it's fleeting the time that they they meet us there. So in that way, when I've seen, I have seen people and experience when they started again, 16, 17, uh, I saw these people on board this craft touching this living light. And I've actually got pictures of this. I, <clears throat> when I woke up around, I'm around this engine that looks like um, a gyrosphere with the ball in the middle. And the ball now, I can tell you, was this 
golden ball that had these hexagons in it looked quite similar to what they say C60 looks like. Um, Carbon 60. Quite similar to that. Yeah, it takes it in a, all into that. Like a bunch of ball. Picture. Yeah, and it's emitting a light that's going up. And this thing is big, okay? But the first deck, I can like see people up there, but they're kind of phased out, like trans, trans, transparent, mm-hmm. partially. And I want to go up there when I get up there. And it's weird. You want to go somewhere in these crafts. Suddenly you will be there. And then you get even more sick. So I'm looking at these people and I'm watching them. There's a group of about, uh, what is it, about eight people. And they're walking, seven, eight people. They're walking over one at a time and touching the living light. That's what the beings are calling us, the living light. You know, and I can't see any of the crew members. They're beyond my mortal vision. But I can see these people. And my point for saying this is, you know, a couple of those people that have come in my life i've met them one the person the first person i did interview with a gentleman named bill spicer he's an author pilot and um engineer and experiencer and another person um i can mention her names uh, for instance susan manwich who i've become pretty good friends with and she's done quite a bit in the free energy movement and some other things so you know and these are people that are having experiences it- and it's it's somebody people i saw beforehand like years before I was like 17 years and years ago. You know? They have memories of seeing you on board. You know, Bill Spicer doesn't remember seeing me, but I'll tell you, he sure remembers the ship and the technology. And when he showed this, I had a lot of, most of my sketches done by Kassara, Christine Dennett. And uh, he tripped out on when I actually had the engine and especially the black box, this light went up and the top of this craft was this huge black box. And uh, that's where the light went up to. And he remembered the box and the, the sketches. Um, Susan recognized it a bit, but she didn't have the memories that Bill did. You know, but it's like neither of them seemed to remember seeing me. Now I'm thinking, how could you not see me when I'm over the, the throwing up guy, but the guy about to throw up. <laughs> but, you know, them being there when being taken by located with their energy body, their dream body, that's how they were having that experience. That's why they were partially transparent and guess what Ah. they weren't applying to the same physical laws as me that i'm getting sick and this whole thing's about to be over you know so but for them they're just experiencing in in that realm and it's quite interesting i know now so i don't i don't discount people when they say they have these astral and conscious experiences because that's the big part of it that's what most of it is uh i i don't think i've ever heard a um an experience or a contactee go into such detail about what they saw on the craft and what they, what was communicated to them telepathically. Uh, Barry Littleton is with us. He will once again be at the Stairway to the Stars conference happening November 10th, 11th, and 12th in Las Vegas at the Luxor Hotel in the beautiful, uh, that is the Egyptian ballroom. And yeah. come back and uh, talk some more right here on Strange Planets. Stay with us. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. We're now crossing a zone of turbulence. Please return your seats and food trays to their upright position and make sure your carry-on luggage is safely stowed. You're about to leave everything you know behind. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Strange Planet. Barry Littleton is here. BarryLittleton.com. And uh, also you can check him out on YouTube. What do you talk about on the YouTube channel? Oh, a little bit of everything. <laughs> so everybody wants to check that out. Please go to the uh, playlist. 
I've got my personal encounters on there, the sketches I've done, uh, which is a lot of them. And I go into detail, not just about my experiences, but what I've learned. And sometimes it's things that absolutely fascinate me, you know, or things I've had contact with, like time travel or time, time, time science, we'll say. Things, all stuff like that's on there. Sometimes scripted stuff. There's about um, over 300 videos on there that are short, but to the point. And it's to inspire people to do their own research. So. Uh, I'm on your website and we're going to shift gears here for a moment because I'm looking at a, a picture of you in a hospital bed, uh, hooked up to all kinds of monitors. You're in a neck brace. You look like you're in pretty rough shape. Uh, what happened? This was, um, well, you tell me when was this and what happened and tell me about your NDE. Yeah, that was um, September 28th of uh, 2010. I has I was on my way to work and I had a bad car accident in my Trans Am and um, I actually had uh, with my great intelligence wasn't wearing my seatbelt as it was only less than about a mile from where I lived and I went through uh, several of the windows and took four catastrophic traumatic brain injuries so I took a hematoma to the frontal lobe hematoma to the um, brainstem hematoma to the quarter lobe and then I have what's called diffusion axonal which is actually somewhat of shaken baby syndrome, spotting of the brain. And my brain had turned in the case as well upon impact. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely had better days. On the way to the hospital, I died, I think, twice, they, twice. And they brought me back and um, they told my family I would probably most likely pass from the brain swelling and everything else. But uh, I was in a coma for two weeks, about to, actually about 12 days. And then I uh, took about... Um, about a half month to remember who I was. Wow. And at that point, when I say that, you know, things eluded me, like my pattern of decision-making and stuff like that, you know, but I had what they call a clearing out, which is where a brain injury patient remembers everything and comes back. But, you know, interestingly enough for me, that was just after I was talking to my uncle and my grandmother. My uncle, we had just buried him like two days before I had this accident. And I'm talking to him and my grandmother, and this isn't like some vision, Richard. It's like I'm talking to you now. Mm -hmm. It was a you know very real experience, and um, that's when after speaking with him, I woke up, and uh, he had told me I was hurt bad, but I didn't believe him. But then when I woke up, I came awake in this fall best fall fall wrist bed. Kind of looks like Spider Man put you in there, you know, looks like webs or something. <laughs> mm -hmm. But uh, that's kind of how that went, and um, they said that I would be a vegetable devoid of long-term life memories and uh, things of that nature. But I had a very definite near-death near death, near death experience and the creator saw it different and I'm blessed to still be cognitive. And for clarification, my experiences started <laughs> decades before the scar accident. So that has you know, nothing to do with discredit what I had experienced before that, previous that. Right, right. Or after, for the, or after, for that matter, I could say that now. <laughs> in, addition to, in addition to talking to your uncle and your your grandmother, what else happened uh, while you were in a coma? What happened, or or during the actual um, time that you had flatlined, basically twice? What 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 did you see? What did you experience? I I saw I saw you know what I what I call. Um, you know, there's the book, there's a book called the Aranta and the Aranta book has, an, it has names for different types of angels. And one of them are called super They're a type of archangel, but slightly different. 
I believe I saw beings like that. They were of light. They weren't human. They weren't physical beings. These were light beings. And they were, only word I can use is regal. They were like thousands of strings of light. And then, I, you know, I, look, I'm a Star Trek geek, okay? But I, <laughs> I, uh, outside, outside the, when the light comes to a point, it, like these shields is the way they look like to me. Like these shields, and they would come to that, and then outside of that, it kind of looked like heat. When you uh, when you when you see like a mirage on the road, you see you know the, the steam that comes up the waves, yes. like these waves coming outside of the shields, and they then was so much love coming off of these beings that I think they had to been turning it down a lot, or it probably would have fried my physical body. I mean, we don't think about love hurting like that outside of our common human relationships. So this is a whole nother frequency. And um, I'm sure that each one of them channeled creator energy, healing energy in the over hundred people that came and saw me, you know, through that room, that window and stuff. I think they channeled that to heal me to what you see now to help. I think it's a definite part of what got me here. So, and had it not been for that accident and everything that I had lost after and just getting my life back, I probably never would have truly come forward. I said I, I said I always said I was, but that was just talk, Richard. This, this isn't conducive to anybody's career, and you know, <laughs> say hey, no, hey right. uh, you know, not, not just that I had survived a bunch of brain injuries, but hey, I've been seeing extraterrestrials since a kid, since childhood. That goes over real good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on the resume, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so when you came back, uh, oh, first of all, during the ND, I mean. Typically, we hear about you know the the uh, the beam of light and and um, I don't know maybe visions of paradise um, being welcomed by dead relatives. Any of that? Well, my my, my uncle and my grandmother, you True. know, I, I'd seen them, but I think that part of this is also I was only so far there, not fully there, you know. And I sp I spent a great deal of time from a psychological aspect or viewpoint trying to figure out how much of this was actually the last oxygen in my brain that was processing through mm. is how much of that's what I was seeing versus how much of this was my brain responding to external stimuli. Right. You know, there's that, 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 that leaves a type of a nebulous part there, but I can say this reality is real to the perceiver. And had I not come back here, I would have been there. So that uh, and, you know, it's it's fascinating, Richard, is how closely I found out now when dealing after dealing with uh, Ray Hernandez quite mm -hmm. a bit, who deals the yes. free uh, CCRI, and um, how closely actually the near death experience and lifeline lifelong contactees are connected. How how many of us are now? I've spoken at several of these conferences now, and sometimes I'll ask, "How many of you are contactees?" People raise their hand. Keep that hand up. How many of you have had near-death experience? And the people that have both hands up is the several people in the crowd. So it's quite common that they're connected. Yeah, know? I was... Uh, in contact. As you're saying this, I was remembering, well, Whitley Strieber has told this story many times, and I talked to Whitley about this as well, and that's the connection between whatever he experienced, contact, whether they're interdimensionals, extraterrestrials, I don't think he's even necessarily figured it out, but he witnessed during these events, seeing people that he knew had died years ago. What do you think is going on here? Have you figured it out? You know, that's very interesting because, you know, 
Preston Dennett has done a lot of work over UFOs that are seen over cemeteries, mm. shining lights down on graves. And that takes us into, is that some type of like necrophilia we're dealing with, clone process, or how much of this is also us dealing with our life, our soul life memories. There is a problem on this planet. When we incarnate as immortal souls, a lot of people will agree that our souls are immortal, mm -hmm. but yet when we incarnate here, we're mostly devoid of soul life memories. So that's like, man... You're like in the 12th grade, you're about to graduate high school, but you can't remember kindergarten to 11th grade. Mm -hmm. That kind of sucks, in my opinion. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I think, and I think, and especially when it comes to a lot of us have not just past lives here on this planet. When you look at a show like what, what, used, what used to be called uh, Ghost in, Inside My Child, where they talk, talk to the kids that remember, like the one kid remember being in 9 11, mm -hmm. and he's reincarnated already. And, you know, having doing hypnosis of past life regression it's fascinating how often people come back and every time during these regressions i've done which is many of them now it's always been the person's choice where they incarnate and when never once have one of them say well the light is making me do this or 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 my guide my angel is making me incarnate and do this here it's never been that it's a choice and the evolving of the soul it's it, it's quite fascinating, you know. So some of the things that we're told aren't always true. Sorry, I may have went off from what you just asked me. I apologize. I That's start talking about it. Doesn't matter where you, <laughs> you want to take it. It's it's uh, it's a great uh, journey. No, I was just wondering about maybe the connection between you know Whitley Strieber seeing um, people at the same time as he had these strange encounters with extraterrestrials and interdimensional, seeing a friend that had died. Uh, I think it happened a couple of times. You mentioned the connection between near-death experiencers and contactees. How do we explain it all? You know, and some of that takes us also, not just what I was saying about the soul-like memories that may be with these other races and other so these extraterrestrials or interdimensional existences we may have had, but also here just on Earth, the fact that um, doing dealing with the astral and the inorganic part spirits and that's the place where that can come together you know like for a long time i would i would wonder like where is the position like for example i had to realize that the beings i saw when i died these these super nanofem are different than even some of these higher extraterrestrial interdimensional non-physicals i've seen on board these craft i think they're going for the same thing with the creator pure creator consciousness but they're they're different. Their levels of energy and vibration is different. Does that make sense? But and and so in that way, I think. But when we're dealing with um, people that have passed over, and there a lot of these experiences happen midway through, you know, like where I saw my uncle, like almost let us say, um, almost like a corridor between mm -hmm. the between the different densities. Right. I think, yeah. So and you know, and some of it could be. Um, so the question is, was it actually these people that like Whitney saw or was it extraterrestrials using the, their holographic image or projection? You know, there's a lot, a lot of unknowns here. <laughs> yeah, most of it, I think, ultimately. And if we ever figure out what's going on, it may be nothing like we can like we're imagining. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, you know, dur during during. Like if I were to do a past live between lives regression, 
and you go through this process just naturally, you know, a guide shows up. And it's without, without me saying, if you're under, I say, hey, Richard, are you seeing your guide yet? It, it, it's not like that. They just naturally come in the process. And normally they take the client to what will be like, I call a place of um, translation and reconfiguration, where it could be an office, a library, even a nature spot. But they're always these ledgers and these books. And they'll pull one up and open it. And it's this life that the, or the life that we're going over with, with the client. And they go over and they start saying things. There may be other souls present. They say, I have agreements with them. They never say contract. It's always been agreements. And we're going to help each other several lives. Unfortunately, it's normally the people they incarnate with that are screwing them over. But it is <laughs> what it is. <laughs> and they did it several lives. You know, they're, they're teaching. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I want to make an agreement with you to please screw me over when I incarnate. Oh, man, come on. But it, it is what it is, you know. <laughs> well, school, school is now in session, right? <laughs> remarkable um you know we didn't we didn't get a chance to talk about um everything including melanin dominant extraterrestrials but we have to leave something on the table so that you can you know people can go and see you at stairway to the stars <clears throat> happening in las vegas at the luxor hotel november 10th 11th and 12th and barry you'll be speaking uh in the egyptian ballroom on uh, wow. saturday November the 11th. And again, people can go to disclosurefest.org and check it out again. Stairway to the Stars, November 10th, 11th, 12th in Las Vegas. And uh, Barry will be there. And um, Richard Dolan and uh, my gosh, William Henry, Jason Martell, Nick Pope, um, Stephen Bassett. It's just a who's who. So check it out. Disclosurefest.org. Barry, uh, what a pleasure meeting you, and I uh, really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for this. We'll have to do it again. Hey, thank you for having me on, and I'm looking forward to Vegas. Never been there, and uh, thank you, Richard. Really appreciate it. Letting me speak. Thank you. Thank you, Barry. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.